Okay, so we're recording. I think everything is plugged in properly. Uh, Mike sounds fine. Yep, cool. I think we're ready to go. Yeah. All right, yeah, sounds good. But what are we doing exactly? You don't tell me. Uh, just talking about your elective. Easy peasy. Nothing too deep. No, no, we've done that before. We've talked about me before. I think this time we should uh, do something different. We'll switch around and I'll interview you. I think that's a horrible idea. Please, no. It's a good idea. We want the viewers to know the man behind the scenes. Let's do that. No, yeah, no, no. yeah. Camera, let's switch around. <laughs> All right, let's get started. That's the sound of the coffee pouring. Welcome to the doctor's room. Today we have turned the tables around and I'm your host, Dr. Bassam Mullah. And our guest today is Dr. Abdaziz Khayyat. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> this is weird, right? I, I feel very strange being on this side. Uh, I'm more sympathetic to my guest now. You feel the pressure? 100%, yes. I, I feel nothing right now. I'm relaxed. <laughs> I feel so comfortable. No. I, see why you like, I see why you like doing this a lot. Okay, fair, fair, okay. So I guess it's kind of evening out the tables now that I'm on this side. Yes. Okay. So uh, the point of this episode is to get to know the man behind the scenes, mm -hmm. the man who started all of this, and you got me to interview you. <laughs> Are you excited? I'm very excited. Okay, You're so very fun on camera, <laughs> so I think it's going to be a good time. All right. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Oof, all right. Who's who's Aziz? Who are you? Right. Okay. So I'm uh, Dr. Abdelaziz Al-Khayyat, and you can call me Aziz. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to uh, university with you in Manchester, in the University of Manchester uh, Med School. I graduated. I went to 2016, did foundation year, went to uni, and then graduated. What was it? 2022. Yep. 2022. And mm. been working uh, in Kuwait ever since. I am also the host of the Doctors Brew. Um, usually. Usually, 99% <laughs> uh, of the time. <laughs> I have a special interest in uh, mental health, and mm. uh, that's why ho hopefully the current tracks is I'm aiming uh, to specialize in psychiatry. Uh, outside of medicine, some of my pursuits include podcasting and uh, <laughs> um, uh, racket sports, so like tennis, that kind of stuff. And uh, okay, yeah. So let's let's start from the beginning. Uh -huh. So what got you into medicine in the first place? Why do you want to become a doctor? Oh, this is an interesting one. Um, it's, a, it's a long answer, actually. Um, so the first thing was I always had an interest in psychology and philosophy because that was a big thing in my household. Uh, my dad uh, studied organizational behavior, and he often, you know, he introduced me to people like Carl Jung. Um, I learned about Freud, uh, different uh, phil uh, philosophers, and... It all impacted me to thinking mm. about like kind of um, the psychological and philo philosophical aspects of life. I remember my dad uh, uh, would famously say, "Abadik metaphysiquiya shown him." Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's how he used to say hi to me. So, uh, the, the, there was a big impact in our house on the psychological and the philosophical sides of uh, life. So that was always my interest. Mm. So I know this sounds like I'm not talking about medicine. Don't worry, I, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, so I, I got into like looking into psychology, things like that. I did courses in, in, at, in high school. I went and did a summer university course uh, in psychology uh, at USC, uh, mm. which is my parents' alma mater, actually. Um, alma mater, I'm not sure how you pronounce that word. Anyways, uh, yeah, so... Uh, so, uh, so I did a summer course in psychology there, 
And uh, I was kind of set in my mind. I was thinking, right, I, I'm going to go and study in the States something psychology related. Uh, maybe do some philosophy classes here and there uh, and whatnot. Anyways, um, but then my dad kind of sat me down and he said, okay, consider this. You want to go into a career in psychology. Great. Awesome. You are in a unique position in that as, as, as a Kuwaiti with, you know, you have a, a very, a very strong um, academic score. You kind of have your pick to be going to medical school, you know, and uh, you can go to medical school, be a doctor and then move into psychiatry. And then in, in the realm of psychiatry, you're not going to close the door on psychology. Of course, they're not the exact same. Uh, I'm not trying to dismiss what psychologists do. Um, th but you have the avenue to further pursue uh, psych a psychology. Like you can do a fellowship, for example, in psycho psychotherapy uh, as a mm. psychiatrist. So you're not going to close any doors. You're going to open a few others for yourself. So he says, make use out of this opportunity for yourself. And I thought about it and I thought, okay, that, that sounds like a really cool idea, actually. And uh, that's, that's how I got into medicine. Sounds like your dad set the trap for you to <laughs> fall into medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, kind of. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> are, you, are you regretting it already or not yet? Uh, no, no, no regrets, to be honest. Um, I think the word isn't regret. There is definitely more things that I am aware of now that I feel like, not that I wish I knew before going in, because I feel like you kind of do need to go in a bit blinded to medicine, but my perspective has changed, you know? In what way? Well, I mean, first of all, um, I definitely think that uh, we over-glorify being a doctor. And I don't mean that as in the, the, the specialty and the career isn't good. Mm. I mean it more in the sense that we over-glorify to a lot of youth I've seen. So like I, I know a lot of people who have said, oh, if I, uh, you know, they're going for medicine and they're thinking, oh, if I don't make it in medicine, that's it, that's my life over. And I don't, I don't think that's fair. Every, every career choice you take, any, any line you go down is equal, you know? And I don't think that, you know, that medicine is inherently better. I think medicine is just like any other career. It's what you make it out to be. And I think that's a healthy way of looking at it because not every doctor necessarily wants to be the one that's getting a, th a thousand percent on every test and is specializing in the top research hospital. I'm, I mean, that's all great, you know, but it yeah. doesn't mean that has to be for everyone. There no, is a definitely, definitely not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one thing that that's definitely changed for me with medicine. Mm. That, that's definitely number one. Uh, number two, um, I would say, oops, sorry, fixing the mic there. Uh, so, yeah, number two, uh, I would say that that I never realized how different the career path is to everybody else. Uh, so, for example, I was chatting with uh, someone who wants to go into med medicine. She's a uh, postgrad, uh, I believe. And uh, she was asking me about, you know, my thoughts on medicine, things like that. And I said that with medicine, for a long time, you're going to be giving up a certain degree of career freedom, you know, um, that I didn't factor in before. So, like, I was chatting with her and actually some of my friends, and they, they were telling me, oh, you know, um, I am getting a job in a tech company, for example. I'm like, mm. wasn't your degree philosophy? They're like, yeah, I'm working in this industry because of that. And so what it made me realize was how in medicine, you're very fixed. You graduate, you go work at a hospital, then you do that, then you do that. Eventually, you have more space, 
you know, but definitely it's a more rigid kind of fixed uh, lifestyle, which is something I didn't factor in uh, before. I wouldn't say it's a good or bad thing, but it's just something I never factored in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, the most important thing, in my opinion, is that you're happy when you're doing it. Mm. It doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. Position doesn't matter. Mm. I think if you're, I'd rather be in a job doing something I'm happy doing that I love, even if it's getting paid less, rather than being in a, a more better paying job, but I'm miserable. I mean, I, de I definitely agree, um, you know, I, but I do think there is one one side in medicine, which is, sorry, I, I don't mean to be playing host here again, but <laughs> do you ever feel like... It comes naturally to you, right? Yeah. right? You just want to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you ever get, like, kind of worried, like, where it's, like, in medicine, you're like, am I always going to be happy with this? And this is where I was talking about with kind of the freedom that... I, I like right now I'm considering, OK, I want to go in psychiatry. I'm very sure on psychiatry. But one thing that does scare me is like, oh, my God, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Mm. I, am I, this is something I'm 100 percent sure of. And, you know, that you have to predict that, you know, versus yeah, and, other jobs where the, you the problem is with that as well is like you make this prediction and then you go into it. And then if you do, if uh, but unfortunately, if you realize like, oh, this isn't for me. You have to start again. You have to go backwards. And medicine's already time consuming. Like you have to go follow this specific ladder up. Yeah. So every single time you like decide to take a step back, you feel like me, oh, this is uh, me wasting years of Absolutely. my life doing things that I didn't know I wanted to do. Yeah, that's that, exactly. That's what I mean. Like I've, I've thought about it. Like what if I go into my specialty? And then 10 years after, not, not even 10 years, let's say I, I finished my specialty, my training and whatever, and then I just go, oh, this wasn't for me. Yeah. Imagine. And it's like you're halfway, you're like 35, and you're like, yeah. okay, what am I doing with my life? And then that's when the midlife crisis hits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, uh, uh, I even forgot what was the question we were asking. But yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not hosting. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host. <laughs> I'm the controller. You're, you are the captain now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So next question that mm -hmm. I wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. um, wait, so why did you choose psychiatry though? Because that's, it's very intense. Mm -hmm. Like I feel I wouldn't be able to handle it because I feel like I'm too emotionally weak. I wouldn't be able to like handle all the um, stories and like, mm sad things that come out of uh, especially like psychiatry when you're talking to patients mm. so do you feel like you're strong enough mentally and emotionally to handle psychiatry i think i think the word isn't strength i think it's a type of strength is the better is the mm. better uh, uh, term because for me the reason why i want to go into psychiatry is that i've always valued i don't want to say i value mental health more than physical health and i know as an as a future orthopod, you're angry. Yeah, you're it. like, <laughs> you're testing limits right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've always had a strong emphasis on mental health, like I told you, my upbringing and whatnot. And um, I've always had this thing of you can be completely physically healthy, you're, everything is working tip-top shape. But in the end, if you're not mentally, you know, if your mental health is being affected, that's literally every day is a life or death. Like we know that in psychiatry, we do risk assessments for suicide all the time. Yeah. Every single patient, that's how we have to risk mm -hmm. assess them, you know? And so if you think about it, the, a, a suicidal patient is a high risk patient pretty much at, at all times. Yeah. 
every day is a is a life or death situation you know yeah so that's num- number one because for me that that's what it that's my perspective so in that way that's how i like seeing patients um and then the next thing that kind of affirmed things for me uh was funny enough with this is a bit of a, a gushy and uh, sorry I, i get weird talking about it but emotional story mm. uh, it's with, okay that's what psychiatry is about yeah yeah true. let's do it <laughs> uh it's with uh, my dad so when my dad was diagnosed uh with cancer uh and uh he eventually uh, sadly la- last summer uh 2022 passed away mm. in that time during his cancer when he was fighting with cancer the one thing that stood to me was the mental strength and resilience that he had towards it and in many ways i, I, I this is something i'm certain of if it wasn't for that resilience that he had I don't think that he would have survived even as long as he did. He was stage four. He was at, he was he had cancer for two years. You know, there was certain you know I don't want to get it, bore you with all the details right now, but there were so many circumstances, situations we were in, where what stood out was his mental health. You know, and that's something that I I I'm I, I want to learn from, and that's something that helped him combat a life-threatening disease. So in that way, again, that reaffirmed to me. the value of mental health in patients. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm do for example I'm doing my elective in psychiatry and it's just profound to see that the benefit that some of these patients are getting when they're being treated for their psychiatric diagnosis. Yeah, it could be life-changing on the spot. I'm telling you I saw a patient come in one week. He so he comes in, he's not speaking. He's he is dragging himself. Broke my heart. Young man, you know? Mm. One week of treatment, he came in laughing. He was like he came in and he said, "Doctors, thank you so much. I was I was not in a good place." He was like, "Ana ana kit hel taban." And I was for me that was so amazing to see, to see somebody who literally had their 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 life kind of handed back to them. It was great. Yeah. I think we like we've come a long way mm. in understanding the body and learning about medicine, but I feel like the brain is still a very big mystery like we've co- we've we've had a lot of progress mm. but i feel like there's so much more in the brain that we still don't understand and a lot of it is about mental health like i heard the story once there about this patient who had like terminal cancer and it was like stage 4 was spread all over his body mm. and uh speaking about your dad's mental resilience th- th- i remember the story they gave this patient like this patient had such a strong will to live and he didn't want to give up even though so many doctors told him like that's it you, yeah, you yeah. only have a couple of months to live you're going to die um so they did this like experiment on him and they gave him uh, this drug they said this drug would help cure his cancer mm. but it was just placebo it was nothing oh really it placebo was, it was nothing it was oh, just placebo okay. but they gave him they put the idea in his head that this revolutionary drug is going to mm. help your terminal stage 4 cancer that spread all over his body mm. And what happened was within few weeks, the entire cancer was gone. Really? The entire cancer. I forgot what cancer it was, but you can look this up. Like it's a very famous story. That's insane. And all of that came just from the idea that yeah. he is taking something that's gonna help him, and his mind somehow transformed that to cure him. Mm. So I feel like there's like our brain is a mystery that we still don't know so much about, and how powerful it is. Hundred percent. Like I'm, you know, with with my dad. He at one point entered 
um, he was in a like a pretty much he had leptomeningeal metastases and he was in a semi coma if not you know he was entering soon into a coma we were told year he's about to slip into a coma and he was refusing he's like no no I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and we tried a new drug that had only theoretical uh, you know uh, backing evidence mm. and then he he came out he actually came out and he every I saw him improve and I'm watching I'm like what are you doing? And he just kept saying, he's like, ah, I told you. You know, and that's what I mean. You need that, that your mental health to push you through, uh, through those moments. Definitely. You know? You can definitely, uh, if you have a strong mental health, it can definitely carry you through so many things that yeah. you weren't... Uh, like, there's also lots of research when they, like, take patients who have similar conditions and uh, there are different attitudes towards mental health. And the patients who had a resilient, uh, strong brain, they got better faster. They got better faster. So It's amazing. There's lots of stuff to... That's why psychiatry is good. It's interesting. You should... You should I, come, I you definitely will not. I cannot <laughs> handle it. And you I, think it's, it's, the, it's the strength side I'm of it? I'm going to stick to the bones. <laughs> bones get broken. That's, that's, that's yeah. my... I mean, I, right I, I, I definitely respect it because I see what you do with the bones and whatever. I'm like, how? how? No. Why? Why? I, I say the same thing about you. But <laughs> that's what's good about medicine. Yes. There is something for everyone. Yes. Because so many different personalities come in. And uh, the only common factor is that they all want to help other people. Yeah. And uh, but that's it. Everything else is different. So many different personalities. So you need to find something that matches for everyone. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And every you you definitely have personality traits that s- stick to specific specialties. Mm. You know, like um, I don't know. Uh, you're you're gonna hit me with some stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, me. This was actually a fan question. Oh, okay, um, okay. There was a fan. You're a fan, actually. They're not my fans. They're <laughs> your fans. But they asked this question. They said. What are certain stereotypes that surround specific specialties? Like, who are the jocks and who are the nerds? Right, well, I think, um, of course, some would say, you know, uh, where where these stereotypes came from uh, comes from, like, maybe, like, more nice origins, you know, not trying to make fun. But definitely there's stereotypes have, like, for example, orthopods are, uh, you know, gym uh, all gym they bros. care about <laughs> gym bros, literally, um, and um, I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> stereotypes sometimes do have merit. They're, they're, they're not, they're not like a staple to everyone. Yeah, but like, there's a reason they're there. Yeah, I mean, and some of them make sense. They they make sense for medicine. So like some of the ones that that exist, like uh, uh, like we said, orthopods, because obviously if, if you're you're, you know about biomechanics, you're interested in the physics of how uh, injuries work, how your bones work. Of course, you're going to be into lifting, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, if uh, it's, 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 There's a, a really cool YouTuber, um, uh, doctor, uh, Dr. What, what's his name? Uh, Glaucoma Flecken, Dr. Glaucoma Flecken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that guy. He does a lot of these kind of like stereotypes of different specialties, and they're hilarious, hilarious. Uh, so, like, for example, pediatrics, uh, they, they they say that they need to be kind of lighter personalities or whatever because you're working with kids. Mm. You can't exactly be coming into pediatrics very intense and tough and serious, you know? Yeah. Um, Imagine being a pediatrician who doesn't know how to handle kids. Like, exactly. It's just not working out. Um, internists, of course, and I. This is, this is just a fact. They just know everything. 
internal medicine, you just you just go to them. They're like, mm, so differential diagnosis, and then you sit out a patient for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen this firsthand, you know, for me, like in the, on, uh, on the wards and stuff, uh, during internal medicine, you sometimes you go and then you just vibe out with a patient. The entire team will sit there and they'll quiz the students, the, re- the residents, everybody. Yeah. And I've then, been there too. I know what you're talking about. Uh, so that la- lasts a long time, right? Yeah, definitely. That's rounds don't finish until way after work time's over. So tell me, how long do uh, ward rounds last in uh, orthopedics? 15, 20 minutes. Oh, oh my. Do you even have time to get a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, orthopedics is uh, is very surgical specialty. Um, the patients we do round on are usually patients that are post-op and we just make sure that the operation went well, there's no po- like post-op infection, the wound's clearing, and they're able to move after the operation, things like that. Mm. But w- there are the rare cases that like have to stay a while, it depends, but that's usually because- A while because is six have- minutes for orthopedics, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, surgical specialties, you don't spend that much time in rounds, you have to- You have to be in the operating room. Yeah, exactly, most of the time you yeah. spend in surgery, so. Uh, it depends on what you like. If you, if you as a doctor, enjoy spending a lot more longer time with patients, mm-hmm. learning about their life and all that, then something more towards medicine yep, yep. might be suited to you. Well, uh, some t- I will have to note though that sometimes stereotypes are not true. Uh, on our, on, uh, I, it was our last or what? Uh, the, our episode with do- uh, Dr. Hassan Babahani, the order I always uh, forget mm. of the episodes, but with uh, Dr. Hassan Babahani, he he did mention he's like, uh, it's not true what they say about uh, uh, anesthesia. Um, we are a social specialty because we we're not you know antisocial, not talking to the patients because especially with pain ma- pain management. You have to be chatting uh, a, a lot with the patients. You need to be engaging with their story. You need to understand the origins of their pain and that kind of stuff. Mm. So sometimes stereotypes are not true. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, with anesthesia, I never see them do anything. So that's the <laughs> stereotype that's like they're always on their phones when we're doing surgery. Mm-hmm. They're just on their phones playing chess or whatever. Yeah, but then watch when you're done the surgery and then yeah. it's like, all right. It's the, Wake up. The, prob- <laughs> the problem is because before and after surgery we just leave we mm. don't know we don't see what they do but like obviously as you get more into specialty then you're obviously more involved with with uh, the other doctors you work with because you can't do surgery without anesthesia mm-hmm. so it's a team at the end of the day and you can't uh, ha- bring your uh, your patient into surgery without psychiatry if they are they suffer a mental health condition Hey, there you go. You. It all connects at the end. It all connects. <laughs> we, we all make a difference together. Yes, okay, so let's switch a little bit and mm. talk about the doctor's brew and all of this. Mm. Tell me a bit more about like how all of this started and why you wanted to do it. Yeah, um, it's it, it, this has been, I have to say, one of my greatest achievements, I'd say, medi- in the, my medical field and like in my med- sorry, medical career not uh, not only because of all the amazing support we've, we've received and mm. all the amazing things that have happened as, as a consequence of this, but just because the experience has been so enriching. Um, so, sorry, veering to the story of how it happened. Um, one thing I want to underline, <clears throat> I've been very lucky with really good people around me. Uh, and that's been the critical thing for me is the good people around me that have allowed me to push the doctor's brew. So it all started with me kind of thinking I was studying a lot. This was uh, around December. 
2022. Mm. Uh, so recently, I was studying all day for my exams, studying, 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 studying. And a part that's of our life, <laughs> <laughs> sadly. Uh, a part of me went, you know what? This can't be. I I'm I'm a doctor now. I'm not a medical student. I I'm not. I don't want my life to be just exams. Mm. And, you know, I don't want my life to be the hospital exam, hospital exam. I need something more. So I, I, I was thinking to myself, right, what could I do? I, I, I wanted to do something within medicine. You know, I still want to do something within my career, but I wanted to do something. And I've always been a person who likes public speaking. I, I'm a person who likes communication and I like building things. Um, so, for example, in high school, I was uh, captain of the debate team. Um, in Manchester, I was also the president of the... You like an argument. <laughs> I like I like an argument. I like public speaking. Okay. Um, and I like education. So I published about education, before medical education. Uh, I've developed curriculums for, uh, like, medical education. Um, I've, so I, it's, it's an interest of mine. So I thought to myself, right, what could be a unique use of my uh, resources? Mm. So... What I was kind of reflecting on was the fact that a lot of my learning uh, that was occurring, sorry, let me fix the mic here. A lot of my learning that was occurring um, after medical school on the wards wasn't just from uh, the consultants. It wasn't from the senior doctors telling me, oh, you should do this, read this, do that. And, it, it, you know, of course, a lot of it came from my patients. But then what was the other group that was really helping me? It was the junior doctors, you know. So it was the junior doctors, then of course my consultants and uh, seniors. Them in combination, they were the ones who were g- teaching me a lot of different things, just from sitting in the doctor's lounge mm. and over a cup of coffee. We'll be uh, chatting every day. There was a new thing. If let's say I didn't know ABGs, for example, if uh, I, I was horrible at ABGs, going chatting and gaining wisdom from others. I was able to really perfect my style with ABGs, you know? So I was like, how can I bring these conversations public? How can I make these available uh, to people, okay? And then more than that, open a space, you know? Because one thing that I, I, I've, I, I've always heard in medicine, which I've disliked, and I've heard it all the time, it was medical students, junior doctors, we have nothing. We have nothing to do, nothing to say. A lot of people now, when I still come to them, I say, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Usually juniors get shy. They say, oh, I, I, I can't say much. I don't have anything to share. Mm. Totally wrong. Yeah, I disagree. I yeah. disagree with that. We are, you know, we've studied. We're doctors. Everybody has something to help. Even go to high school, okay? If you have a, a kid in ninth grade and they want advice on a subject, who will they go to? A 10th grader. <laughs> Does that mean that the 10th grader has nothing to say? No. Maybe the 10th grader won't be teaching math to like a Harvard professor of math, but he has something to help with other people. And so what I wanted is to open this platform because I think everybody can benefit from the, the discussions we have. So by bringing these kind of discussions out into the open, yeah, you know, I was hoping to really serve um, medical students, young doctors, older doctors who are interested as well. And uh, even members of the public who are just uh, interested in uh, what, what goes on in the hospital. Mm. And the reason why we centered it on coffee is because I really love yeah, coffee. Yeah, you, you have a weird obsession with coffee. Like, what is this? <laughs> you need <laughs> to explain that. Well, okay. So it's, it's a valid reason. Just say you're addicted. 
yes, I am addicted, but that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely definitely uh, coffee addiction, but uh, it's because it's a facilitator. Mm. Uh, if you look back, I can promise you, some of the best conversations you've had in your life have always been over a cup of coffee. You know, even if you're not drinking, where is at a cafe? It, you know, we did a poll on the Doctors Brew, and we asked where do the majority of people study in Kuwait? Like, well, our our fans and followers, where do they? Most of them study. Most of them said cafes. Mm. So that coffee is ingrained to communication. It's ingrained to uh, discussing things and opening up conversations. You know, and not to mention, I have a deep love of coffee. So. <laughs> no, I think it's a great thing you combined something you like to do, which is to discuss things, uh, bring people together, and over a cup of coffee. And you use that to combine it with medicine, which is your job. So you've brought your passion and your career and you brought them together, which is, I think, an ideal recipe for success. Thank you. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's when, when you combine those two things, you're really uh, like for me, it doesn't feel like work. It's fun. Yeah, I that's, love and doing that's this. that's the most important thing. That's mm. what I that's what I said. If you're doing something mm. you love, then you're gonna keep doing it, and you're gonna do really well at it. Compared to something that you don't like, Absolutely. but it's, you're just forcing because it it's your job and you're just getting paid. Exactly. That's why you should always uh, follow your passion. And that's why I also wanted to do something outside of the hospital, and outside of studying. Yeah. Even I though it's tough, it's not easy time management wise, but it gives me a certain energy I need to do the other stuff. I think it's really important for 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 all uh, individuals in mm -hmm. the medical profession, they need to have something outside of work. Absolutely. Because you can easily get sucked in, mm -hmm. easily mm -hmm. fall in the trap of just, my whole entire life is medicine, medicine, medicine. All I do is work, yeah. and then I'm too tired to do anything else, and then I wake up the next day and just go to work, and it just repeats. And then at the end of the day, like, you, you wake up one day, you're eight years old, what have I done? I've just been a doctor. Okay, so what? There are, yeah. thou there are millions of other doctors. Yeah. What else have you done with your life? Exactly. You've helped patients? Yeah, so so has everyone else. Yeah. What did? What else did you do? Like, did you live happy? Yes, yes. Were you happy at the end? That's what And matters. look at the statistics. The statistics don't lie. Most doctors are not happy. Mm. Most doctors are not happy. So what do we do? Do we quit? No, we find a way around it. Yes. So. And that that takes effort. That's yeah. not. It's not easy, as you said. It's time management. Mm -hmm. But you have to find a way. But can I also say, and mm -hmm. going back to this, it also is the people around you. And so I've been very lucky. When I when I thought of this idea, I uh, my uh, my my producer Yusuf Abu Ghazala, uh, he literally I, when I I told him this idea, he went right. You need to do this. He said those words. I think this is critical to your success. And when I saw someone look at me and give me that, that vision, that, that belief in me, that was, that was monumental. That was step one. Then it's, okay, oh, I need to build a brand around this. How am I going to conceive this, the colors, all this? I'm, that's not my field. So then our head of branding and uh, design, Sabrina Rodriguez, she just goes, here's, here's a logo. Follow this color scheme. You should do this for the, uh, coffee. Follow these types of partnerships for contents. Here's what you can do for real. That gets the ball rolling. Mm. Then, did I tell you about the story of the first episode? Uh, no, tell me. Mm. I don't know if this, uh, we mentioned, we might have mentioned this briefly before. Episode one was the biggest disaster to ever happen. It was 
so embarrassingly bad, I was so ready to quit. So the mics didn't work. Mm. We did a whole episode and the camera shut off in the middle twice. Nothing was working. Okay. We were scammed for a lot of our equipment. Then our guest was nice enough to say, no, I believe in you. I'll come back tomorrow. I believe in this podcast. I'll come back tomorrow. We'll record again. When they came back, the mics didn't work. That were brand new. We had to go out and buy, uh, buy them again and then come back and record. Post in editing, every, the sounds were, were off. There was echoes. There were this. We had to remix everything. And everything was completely off. Everything went so wrong. But again, I was so ready to be like, right, I guess this isn't for me. But because someone went, no, I believe in this. It made the biggest difference. So I don't want to just say that you need to find a way and it's 100% on you. I'd say that there's a, a decent, like, if you surround yourself with good people, like I've been so fortunate to do, they're the ones who are also going to push you in the, in the ways that you can't think of. Because the ways that people have pushed me for this podcast were not the ways that I knew. Yeah. And then, I, of course, people like you. Sorry, let me, <laughs> let me get back to this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we love you. Because Thank you. It's, we love you too. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you have good friends that you're like, hey, come on this podcast. Come uh, share, share some stories. Be vulnerable with me. Mm. And they say, you know what? I got you, bro. Again, surround yourself with good people. It's going to push you forward. I think that's a very, very important point. Mm. Because the path to success, it's not a path you go alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is you doing the most of the work. Mm-hmm. But you're never going to get there if you don't uh, get some help along the way. Absolutely. So the most important thing is, to, as you said, surround yourself with people that are pushing you forward. Yep. Not people because... A lot of us, like you'd be shocked the amount of friends you have, mm-hmm. but these friends actually they're 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 friends. But when you're trying to do something, they're like either shutting you down or saying like you can't do that, you're not gonna make it, you can't do this. This it's always excuses. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people today, the young generation, mm-hmm. they're all about excuses. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work hard enough to do anything. Like two generations ago, that didn't exist. Everyone was grinding. Everyone was working hard. Mm-hmm. But now, because we're more relaxed, we're more chill in society. Everything's like provided for us, so no one wants to do anything. Well, you have you always have to put in the work. Yeah, you, you will 100%. never get any of the results. And you and one thing to accept is that you might fail. That's fine. And that's okay because that's, okay. that's the first step towards success as well. You're not gonna like shoot to the top of the mountain immediately. You're gonna fall, and you're not gonna fall once, twice. You're gonna mm-hmm. fall so many times. And you know it's that's pushing me through my there. exams right now. Is that I'm saying to myself, okay, I might fail. You know what we sound like? We sound like David Goggins oh, with this motivational stuff. Just run! <laughs> I was listening Whoa. to him the other day. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Listen, he has, yeah, he's, he's spitting facts. All he's saying makes sense. Yeah. But we're just, he's too real for a lot of people. He's way too real. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, one, the one thing with him is that he's just too, he's I, I believe in a softer approach personally. Come on, psychiatry, man. A lot of people, that doesn't work with them. Yeah, I mean, listen, I just, I personally believe in a softer approach. I'm one of those people, like, I'd rather someone like him scream at me mm-hmm. to realize, like, what am I doing in my life? He's right, let me do this or that, you know? And you know what? Whatever works for someone. Whatever gets you out of the bed, gets you moving, gets you going, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, you're right. Facts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, we've talked about Doctor's Brew mm-hmm. and... How it's centered around coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this all. 
<laughs> we're gonna cut this part. <laughs> no, we're keeping this all in. <laughs> we're cutting. See, we're so keep so, this so in. everyone appreciates the difficult uh, the difficult nature of being the host. It is difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It's easier <laughs> when someone asks you right? a question, yeah. and you just answer the question, uh-huh. and then he's ready with another question. Uh-huh. I don't have a question for you now. Uh-huh. No, I do have a question. I actually have a question that okay. came to my mind. Mm. It's a little bit about psychiatry. What mm. do you think about psychiatry? Uh, our mental health, the, the way people view mental health here in Kuwait. Like I've seen, uh, uh, like let's take this 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I feel like mental health had a very taboo view mm-hmm. in Kuwait or in the Middle East or in the Arab world in general. Mm-hmm. Every time anyone would like say they're like sad or depressed or suicidal or anything like that, uh, the older generation, their view would be like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You maybe should get more religious, mm-hmm. get closer to God or um, just go do this and that and you'll be okay. Like mm-hmm. there's, you, you have everything provided to you for you. Why are you sad? You know, does it make sense? And I think this is starting to change a little bit over the last few years, but uh, it's still like, I feel like overall considered a little bit still more taboo. So what do you think about that? So funny, I actually talked about this. Uh, I went on KTV too, uh, mm. and uh, we spoke about mental health. I don't know if the, ep- the episode aired just yet uh, about that interview, but during the interview, they asked me, so what do you think about the stigma here in Kuwait of mental health? First of all, let's talk about the research. Uh, liter- uh, I-, I was looking through a literature review, and consistently, they saw evidence for uh, stigma, mental health stigma in the Middle East, and that it has a detrimental effect on mental health. Okay? So that's just the research, that's just the literature. Okay? Mm. So it's for sure there. Now, what's my impression? What have I seen? I've seen, s- s- the, the way to sum it up is, number one, are we there? Are we at 100%? Are we on board? Is everything running smoothly? Sm- smoothly? No. Mm. And that's not only just a Kuwait thing, I think that's a, that internationally. Okay? In the Middle East especially, there's a lot of st- uh, stigma. Okay? Are we getting better? Yes. And so what this means is let's keep the, fi- uh, the fire going. Um, in the mental health hospital, um, you know, I, I, we have so many patients. It's, so if something is so, so taboo and nobody seeks help, why do we still have patients? Why do we still have people coming into the ER daily? Mm. Clearly people are seeking uh, uh, health, uh, you know, mental health care, and that's because they believe in it. So, the st- so things are improving. But do you think there are, they're, getting, they're going to the ER at a later stage than they should because of the stigma? So there's, uh, it, number one, yes. And this is this is well uh, well documented that stigma hel- uh, like stops people from receiving the care that they need, mm. mel- mental health wise. Um, this is well well known in the literature, and from uh, from what I see, yeah, plenty. There's a, and the sad thing with mental health is the the later you get on top of it, the worse it is. Yeah, definitely. It's a w- very bad prognostic factor, for example, for schizophrenia. As with a lot of things in medicine, mm-hmm. the earlier you intervene, mm-hmm. the better the outcomes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, people are, ca- are, are seeking care late because they kind of feel ashamed, etc. But I'll tell you a personal example of mine. Uh, I forgot who I, I was talking to, uh, to somebody, and uh, talking about the system of files in Kuwait, mental mm. health, like having a mental health file. The yeah, a lot of people are, are scared to go to the yes. hospital because they don't want to have a file yes. because it apparently for them it closes doors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, I I 
don't know the very uh, small details about you know men, uh, the the files and what they implicate in Kuwait. I know that, for example, has some implications for maybe uh, uh, the the military. I believe maybe military yeah. or travel things like that. I'm not I'm not sure. Either. I don't I don't think travel. I think just the military. I'm, mm. I'm but I, I again I don't know the specifics. But I remember speaking to somebody and they just went, oh, who doesn't have a file in, in the mental health hospital in Kuwait? And that that made me realize something like people are starting to accept this. People are starting to get that, okay, okay, they have a file. What does that mean? Are, yeah. are we all human beings? And that, you know, one thing I want to point out is, uh, and I had a chat with some psychiatrists about this. What about doctors? I've seen a lot of people think that doctors should be above mental health. Uh, yeah, but we're humans too. We're humans and we're high risk. <laughs> we are definitely high risk. Have you seen the suicide rates? They're horrifying, they're mm. scary. I mean, like, it's crazy to me. And this is kind of going back to your first question about, like, you know, uh, what has your thoughts been changing in medicine, whatever. One thing is, like, look at the satisfaction rates and the mental health rates in this career. If I was in high school and I looked at how much the burnout is and not just saying, oh, it must take a toll. They always say the toll that medicine takes on you is going to be someone dying in front of you. And that takes a huge toll. Mm. Now that's maybe 10%. What about all the other stuff? What about someone dying in front of you when you're up all night and you're sitting there, you're half awake, you know, a person's life is in your hand and you, you know when your head gets foggy from lack of sleep and then the person dies in front of you. The toll that that takes and that happening consistently, that's the toll that medicine takes. And so I feel if I went back in high school and I looked at those statistics and I looked at kind of the satisfaction rates, I definitely have a different impression. I wouldn't think of medicine as just this, oh, all of, everything is perfect. It's not perfect. It's an amazing no. career. You help people, and I love it. But it's not perfect by any means. Definitely. Yeah. I think when we're younger, we don't take these things into account. We just mm -hmm. think, oh, medicine, it's going to mm -hmm. be, oh, it's going to be a high-paying job. It's going to be prestigious. Mm -hmm. But we don't think about um, the toll it takes on mental health. 100%. And I... <laughs> That's that's the whole other the whole other side to this is that you're helping people, but then it's also a job. So then you have to balance the job side of things, the financial aspect of uh, of medicine. It exists, and depending on where you work, it has different implications. So like if you work in the U.S., for example, uh, that you know, um, like the insurance system in the U.K. In the U.S. Sorry, it's not socialized. So that has a whole other implication in medicine. Mm. There's so many different sides and aspects of medicine yeah. that, you know. I'm going to say something controversial. Okay. <laughs> you know, I always have to say something controversial. <laughs> but I saw this statistic that said that every on-call you have, a night, like a night shift. Basically, we, know, we all know that like staying up all night is bad for you, just generally bad for yeah. your health. And uh, ruining your circadian rhythm every mm -hmm. few days is just, it sounds horrible. Horrible. So I saw this statistic that says like, Every on call you have takes away like two weeks of your life mm -hmm. because you keep ruining your your biological mm -hmm. uh, homeostasis, circ mm -hmm. uh, circadian rhythm, and all that. That's worse than smoking a cigarette. If you smoke a cigarette, the the number is I think one week or if like one cigarette, that's like a few days or one week out of your life. Mm -hmm. So it's better to smoke a cigarette than to be a doctor. What do you think about that? I'm not gonna lie, you kind of blew my mind because. Of course, it, it, this is a simplified comparison, yeah, it's very, yeah. obviously, but it puts something into perspective. It definitely puts into perspective what we're doing. And it, it, 
it's it's you know it's tough sometimes you look and you think to yourself huh wow like i'm sacrificing my life to better other other people's lives yeah. basically and i'm happy to i'm happy to do that the job is worth it for me you know but is this something that i wish i knew going in yeah kind of wish i did uh, i kind of wish i did know and yeah. i it's something i hope people bear in mind and here on the doctor's brew now you're letting other people know so maybe people that didn't think about any of this and were not sure and maybe want to evaluate their options with a more information that's what that's what i hope i i want people to like see it like very well rounded i want people to hear the stories on this podcast yeah. of people get lives getting saved like i'll tell you there was no single better feeling for me in my entire life none than the first time that i did cpr on a patient and they came back to life hmm. nothing nothing was better than that that was the single exhilarating you know i called i remember i was post call and I was I was going on my my whole I was still I was ha- the whole day I was still uh, energetic. So there's the pluses. But equally to that, you need to balance things out. You need to know the other side. You need to know, hey, you're staying up all night. It's bad. It sucks. It hurts, and you're gonna not feel appreciated eighty percent of the time. But then the twenty percent, that's what makes it worth. That's it. where you get the satisfaction. Yep. Yep. Because we have highest highs and lowest lows. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think us as doctors, especially junior doctors, because the, the senior doctors, they, they, they've been through it. They know they have a system of coping. They've done it and they're more relaxed. But for us junior doctors and mental health, mm. what can we do um, to, to improve our lives? Well, I think there's a, there's a few things that I'm going to base a little bit off my experience, mm. um, more so than speaking from the literature right now. Um, so, first of all, always do things you know work even when they don't work with you. This is something that's helped me in my life especially and in medicine. I've seen a lot of people, patients, everybody do things and say, right, this doesn't work for me. I'll give you an example. Uh, a lot of people say therapy. They'll be like, right, therapy doesn't work for me. Well. Statistically, we know that therapy has an efficacy similar to antidepressants. Mm. We know that. Could it be that maybe you haven't found the right therapist? So that's like one, you know. So how do we use this in our life? We take it as what, what are some of the things we know work? Eating well. You eat bad, you feel worse. Exercising. You know that if you exercise every day, and this is something I've fallen off with. I've been focusing so much on studying. I went through periods of not exercising. It's felt horrible. So a recent change I made, right, even if it's 20 minutes a day, run. Go out, run. And instant improvements in my mental health. Uh, you know, socializing. You know that uh, if you lock yourself in and you're away from people, you're not going to socialize as well. Next, you have uh, le- uh, learning. Always be learning. If you sit and you're studying, like one thing we don't realize with studying for medicine, which is, a little bit painful is that you're chewing. You're, it's chewing gum more so than eating a meal. You're chewing the same information. You're going on, 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 and on. Uh, how many times have you read about men too syndrome? So many, you know? So if you're learning new things, this helps. With it. Expanding your mind helps, you mm. know? And then uh, other, another thing is to uh, give back. Help people. Um, I, you know... When you're helping in the service of others, 
it's it's always been shown that this is something that is that is good for let's let's extend it out beyond the mind the soul it's good for the soul to help others to be in the service of others and luckily you're in a career that allows you to do that so exploit it be mindful while you're working and those good moments be mindful be like this is the moment this is the moment that i'm helping somebody this is going to help and i this is going to sound a bit cheesy but if what i just said might sound a little bit familiar they're the five the things we had to do in our portfolio in manchester the five steps to mental health mental well-being yeah yeah connecting with others and uh that, that oh yeah i remember that yeah yeah because those five things are evidence-based things mm-hmm. so this is something that i've always in my life when i have hit a wall I do the things that I know work and I do them even if I don't feel like they're working. So that's my my biggest advice, uh, I'd say. Uh, I think you've just given a psychiatrist how to <laughs> just there. That was really good. Uh, thank you. Uh, adding on to what you said, I think um, about just being mindful in the moment. I think these days life goes by really quickly mm. and you just it just you close your eyes, you open up just five years down the line, you don't know what happened. So when you are in the moment where you're helping someone or you're like you're you, you get that satisfaction from helping yeah. someone, just take a moment to smile and just reflect back on you doing something good for someone else. Yeah. And these are the moments that matter at the end of the day. So it's important to like, uh, because we just sometimes brush them by, like it's whatever, yeah. just part of the day. It just happened and I'm moving on to the next thing. So I'll tell you an example that happened yeah. to me today, just now, right before we were filming when uh, I was getting changed or whatever to, in, into my scrubs to come and film. Uh, I remember I was, there was a brief moment I had a panic because I, I'm a little bit behind on my studying today. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm behind on my studying. I haven't done this. Uh, and now I need to film. So I, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And then I took a brief second where I realized, hold on, two months ago, this sticker, well, maybe a little bit over two months, but this stucker, sticker wasn't even on the wall, right? Yeah. The doctor's brew wasn't a thing. Take a moment to appreciate that now you're able to film. You're able to do this thing. And then that that little that little sentence, it took half a second for me. It It gave me a sort of relief. You know, so that's just one example. Yeah, taking a moment to realize where you are mm-hmm. because your pre- your past self was dreaming and thinking of this moment. Yes. But now you're here and you're yes. worrying about the next moment. But yes. down the line, it's just gonna keep happening. You, what, what was that 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 thing? It says you'll never know that when it's the good old days when they when they they've already passed. Yeah, the, yeah, you're you're in the good old days yeah. every time, but you just All don't know time. it until they've passed. Exactly. So you just have to take a moment and appreciate it every time and appreciate yourself for working so hard and getting yes. to this point. Yes. Because uh, sometimes as doctors, we're always too hard on ourselves. We yeah. always think we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, but a lot of people. No, think, the think high that. majority. Yeah, imposter syndrome is high. And, and can I also say one thing? Appreciate the lows too. So I, I forgot what I was watching where it was like, you know, life is meant to be lived. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be wasted. So, you know, those times you're sitting on your phone and you feel guilty, whatever. It's meant to be sad. You're meant to go through all of it. So even when you're going through periods of sadness, whatever, this is all part of it. You know, and there's no pressure to be doing anything but what you're doing and being mindful of that, being mindful of that moment, even the ability to be sad. You know, that's one thing that sometimes we don't appreciate is it's it's a good thing to be sad. 
I think it definitely is a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. You need to be sad because if you're not sad, then you won't know when you're happy. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because if you're ha- if, you, if you were sad in the past mm-hmm. and then you're happy now, you're like, oh yeah, look at the difference. I was sad in the past and now I'm happy, mm-hmm. and then you you will get sad again. It's just ha- it's it's a part of human nature. You know, even there's been propo- there's been like um, suggestions that depression or a mental health crisis is a moment where your body and your mind is checking in on you and saying, hey, something's not ticking right up. Time to go in and check on that. How is that working? How are my patterns of thought not helping? What am I holding on to? And mm-hmm. get to know yourself better. And some, what does that, that, again, does that lead you to medication? Does that lead you to therapy? Does that lead you to wherever? That's a whole different discussion. But sometimes being sad, being, having those crises are, is a chance. It's a, it's, a, it's a little alarm for you to come and check in on yourself. Yeah. yeah, this is getting very philosophical, isn't it? You, you didn't think this was no, <laughs> the road you were going to go not. down. On, neither did I. But this is very <laughs> deep, deep stuff we're talking about. Uh, yeah. But hey, that's just part of the doctor's rule, I right? Like yeah, no, that's no, why you it. you did this yeah. for people to have these open, honest conversations. That sometimes, especially here in the in our world, people uh, are less pr- prone to being vulnerable about this. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable. And again, what did we have it over? Coffee. There we go. Not much at this time, but actually, you know, we uh, just to have a little chat. We we didn't talk about the coffee. You didn't tell me how did you like your coffee. This was nice coffee. Listen, yeah. I'm I'm not a guy that drinks coffee. Yeah. My caffeine source comes from pre-workout, ninety percent of the time. <laughs> I promise. There's two bag, two two bottles right there in my bag. Um, because if I have coffee and pre-workout, it's yeah. just too much caffeine. I'm just not gonna sleep. I told you the one time I used I had it by accident for like a week. The only yeah. time I ever took pre-workouts because nobody told me there was caffeine. Yeah, and also let's be honest, coffee like the caffeine and coffee doesn't do anything for me because the caffeine dose in pre-workout is like I mean, five yeah, times higher. Immune, yeah. This is like what one cup of coffee has like what 80, 90, 100 milligrams. And what's pre-workout? The one I take has 600 milligrams. So that's like uh. what. Six of these oh. in one shot immediately. Oh, no. Yeah, so <laughs> this is nothing. This is chill. But well, the taste, the taste is nice. I like this. Yeah. I don't know. What, what even is this? So this is uh, Earth Roastery. To let, let you guys know, we had someone come in and brew for us. The coffee was awesome. Coming in from Earth Roastery. Again, we did it in uh, the last episode with uh, Dictor Hashim. Yeah. Uh, someone came in from Earth and made, uh, made also uh, for you made V60. I'm having actually some matcha because uh, you know I don't know what matcha is. So matcha is basically like, like is that is that is that weird? That it's I don't pure know it? green tea. No, no, it's fine. It's a okay. it's it's new. It's coming in uh, into the mainstream slowly. You know. Okay. Because <laughs> it just it just it looks like a milkshake. What is, it's green. No, it, so it 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 has also caffeine. A lot of people are substituting it for coffee, and I have to say, Earth Roastery does it really well. Because mm-hmm. I'm not much of a matcha drinker at all. I'm always coffee, coffee, coffee. But because today was after Futur, I said, uh, right, maybe having V60. Uh, I need to get get to bed early. Uh, we'll we'll stick uh, with some matcha, which has the same coffee, but I guess it's uh, sorry, the same caffeine. But I guess it's a bit of a placebo effect in my head. Um, yeah, so they uh, they made for us the the matcha he, here in the studio and also the the V60, and uh, it's absolutely absolutely delicious, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about coffee, so well, uh, you know, it's like an experience for me. Uh, well, then it's it's a testament to how good their their stuff is because if they're appealing to the coffee drinkers that are the regulars and the non-regulars. Mm. You know? Sometimes you feel like if you go to a specialty coffee house, it's like, oh, if I don't know about this coffee, I shouldn't be going, blah, blah, blah. It's a bit too high for me, but not at all. So what's your favorite coffee? 
you mean like the the cof- uh, coffee type? Yeah, mm. because you know you always you, you every guest that comes on mm-hmm. you have to say what they, you ask them what their favorite thing is. So now I'm asking you. Ooh. Since you're a big coffee lover, it's gonna be a tough choice. Mm. I'll tell you what is mine. Café con leche. Bro, yeah, like I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> In Spanish, it's just uh, uh, co- uh, coffee with milk. My favorite way to to brew up a cup of coffee uh, will be like in a mocha pot, and I just put a little bit of hot milk over it, and that's for me just the perfect coffee. I drink all coffees, mm. but like for example, let's say Earth Roastery, I really love their beans. I take it home, I grind it, I put it in my mocha pot, and that's what I have in the morning. I can pour it and then a little bit of ho- uh, ho- uh, hot coffee over. How much? How many cups of coffee do you, on average, drink in a day? Average two, and that's intention. That's it. Only two. It's intentional because I have. I don't believe you. No, no, no. I have. I've gone through phases where I'd go all the way to like four, you know, mm. and then after like three, four days, I'm just sitting there like wired, like, okay, okay, and so I, I have to, <laughs> I had to wear myself down. I was like, listen. That's how I feel every time I take the pre-workout every day. Yeah. I'm just cracked. See. <laughs> This is what I mean. So I had to very intentionally be like, no, no, no. You get one in the morning, one at night. And if you are studying, you get one more. <laughs> wow. So you're forcing yourself to drink less coffee. Oh, that's that's how addicted you are to you. That's how yes. much you love it. You want, you want to know when was my moment that I realized coffee was a vibe? Mm. Manchester Foundation year. I'd wake up 6 a.m. Okay. I went through after like going through that period of getting to know the city and like, oh, you know, the hype died. And it was springtime. I'd wake up 6 a.m. It was a little bit cold, not cold enough to need a freezing, like a heavy jacket, but cold. Yeah. And at the time, I, I, that's when I started record collecting. I collect records. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I collect records. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the coffee. Uh, so I put on Otis Redding, blue, right? Uh, it's, uh, what? Wait, who? Otis Redding, blue. I don't know who, who that is, I but I believe he's blues. I think that's the. the you you know you you know what vibes you give you give old man vibes. I mean yes I know that. Yeah. No and th- you know for me that's a good thing because I'm loving my twenties and then when I hit my old man times you're just gonna, gonna do the same ed- thing. Yeah yeah I'm just gonna, exactly I'm not. <laughs> 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 Can't repeat. Exactly. Okay. So I wake up six a.m. I put Otis blue, mm. and then I sit there and I I the night before I I'd make my cup of coffee okay because I wasn't in the mood to make it in the morning I'm t- still sleepy I put it in the microwave heat it up. I sit there with my cup. So remember, it was a, a cup uh, that I bought from uh, Wilco, if you remember the store in the UK. All right? I sit there, and I just drink the coffee. I wouldn't speak. I wouldn't do anything. No studying, no texting, no people, nothing. I just sip my coffee. And the start of the song, I'm half asleep. End of the song, slowly my heart rate picks up, and the day starts to open up, and I'm excited. And I just, it's a quiet, quiet reflection. And I was like, I love coffee. <laughs> well, that sounds like a vibe. That, that is, that's like the vibe. Absolute vibes. That's the vibe. Yeah. You're making me, you're tempting me into trying it out. Yeah, I'm telling you, bro. You okay. gotta give try me, it. Give me that Otis Blue record. <laughs> you, have a, you have a recorded thingy as well? Yeah, like, yeah, is it yeah. an actual like CD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have the recorded thingy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. These things exist still? Yes, yes, wow. yes. And they're making a resurgence, you know? A lot wow. of artists now, uh, they're getting sold out and whatever from uh, vinyl. That's crazy. Vinyl records, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, awesome. Okay. 
So I think that's it. I think that's been a great episode. What do you think? I think it was a 20 out of 10. <laughs> and I've said this before. I think we should do a spin-off podcast yeah? of Aziz and Bassam talking doctor let's, stuff. Let's do it. I'm down. Let's right. do it. I think I think we have we have a lot of things we can talk about. A we, lot of yeah. things. Comment the names below of that the, yeah, the spin-off podcast. We want we want a name for the spin-off uh, mini series of me and Aziz. Yeah. Let it, let us know in the in let the us comments. Know in the comments, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Perfect. so I don't know what the ending is of this. How how you say? It, I think is it the same thing? That's the sound of the coffee pouring, or that's something like that. That's uh, that's the last sip of uh, coffee for the day. Uh, thank you f- to our guest. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you do the the outro. You uh, know how to do the outro. That's the last sip of coffee for the day. Thank you again, Bassam, for hosting. Uh, it's been a great experience, and I have to say, it was fun and nerve wracking being on the side. Uh, <laughs> I could say the same thing. I'm gonna. It's gonna. I'm. It's. It, it's gonna be nice going back to the other side, but I'm gonna miss this side. So uh, hopefully we have that spin-off series soon. Yeah, definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. It's been enjoyable being the host. Mm-hmm. I hope I uh, didn't harass you too much. No, it was great. And uh, there you go. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. Awesome. Oof. Hold on. Remember, just take off the the headphones and. No, no, just take them off, take them off, Adi. Yeah, they just chat to Why are we chatting? What's because we fade to black, Alhain. Like, you know, we have these few Oh, we just have these, like, whatever, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vibes. Yeah. Well, it was fun. <laughs> that was, that was not, bro, I feel like we lasted more than 25 minutes. Yeah, shit. <laughs> I think, can I check the thing? I don't know how to check it here. I don't want to touch anything, bro. Let me... I feel like we're not at an hour, but it's like we're around 40 to 50 minutes, bro, which is decent. One hour, one minute. <laughs> Damn, bro. Damn. My biggest bro, these guys are trapped in there for an hour.